Welcome to the Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and I'm actually going solo for this special and rather impromptu podcast, which isn't really about TV, but focused on a fictional character that has been woven into the tapestry of popular culture for almost 85 years now. A name and figure known not just by any geek, but just about any person, period, on Earth even if he hails from another planet entirely. Of course, I'm talking about Superman. But why? Why am I talking about the last son of Krypton? Well, about a week ago, I get a text. Took me about a minute to realize the text was from former work colleague, friend, and even occasional guest podcaster a few times here at STVD Studios, Kimber. Now, Kimber, beyond wishing me a happy new year and mentioning how he was enjoying the latest podcast, he is definitely one of our more loyal listeners, he wanted to ask me a favor. Turned out his son Jules, who had just turned 18, was working on a senior project for school, and that project was based around the character Superman. Now, it sounded to me like Jules wanted to really do a deep dive on what makes the character tick and how Superman really transcends the typical comic book hero. Now, the favor was essentially an interview, or really, rather, he would send me a series of questions, and I would eventually send him my answers when I had some free time to sit and think about, you know, the Man of Steel. To use Kimber's own far-too-kind words, they were asking me as a DC expert, writer, critic, and podcaster. Well, at the very least, I am a podcaster who considers himself a writer and clearly has no problem tossing out critiques. But as I started to pound out my answers one Sunday morning, I realized I actually had the makings of a pretty solid podcast here, especially as I noticed that my answers did not fall into what's become at this point the redundant and tiresome debate about everything that's happened with the character as far as motion pictures and the so-called DCEU. That is not what these questions were really about. And that is not what my answers were really going to be about either. It's about Superman. Like I said, one of the most famous fictional characters in pop culture history. So if you saw the title of this podcast and thought this was going to be either some sort of uber geeky rant cast or a fanatical love fest of how Superman has been written and portrayed over the past decade plus. Sorry to tell you, it's not going to be either of those things. In fact, whether you're a long-time diehard fan of Superman or you're a decidedly non-nerdy and only knows soups as that guy in the red cape who flies around, I don't know, saving people, no matter who you are, hopefully you'll enjoy what follows either way. So, let's get started. Turns out there were five questions in total from Jules, and each was a gem all on its own. Hey, see what I did there? Jules, gems, whatever. I'm going to have to apologize to Kimber for that one. Sorry, Kimber. Let's get to the first question. First question. What was your first exposure to Superman? And what stood out about it? And what stood out to you about it? Okay. Look, I was a child of the 70s. So at first it was difficult to recall my absolute first exposure to Superman. Was it grabbing comics off a spinner rack every week at the local candy store? Was it waking up at the crack of dawn on the weekends? Not simply for the major network Saturday morning cartoons like Super Friends, which, honestly, I never particularly loved. 
but because some local TV station ran some tunes from the 1960s that prominently featured the Man of Steel? Or was it Sunday mornings when a different station aired the old Superman TV series with George Reeves in the title role? You know, I had memories of munching my super sugar crisp and wondering out loud, why don't they ever do Luther on this thing? Yes, a child complaining about a show that had been filmed nearly two decades earlier. But the truth is, it wasn't any of those things. Turned out to be a book that my father owned. This huge tome called Superman from the 30s to the 70s. It's funny because that book was published in 1971, so it barely touches the 1970s at all. Now, I was taught to read at an extraordinarily early age. So I was honestly consuming real books on top of Children's Fair before I had even hit three years old. So my devouring this massive collection probably preceded me buying comic books even. I was also artistically inclined at the time, constantly drawing on the blank pages, if not tearing them out for sketch paper fodder entirely, from nearly every book I laid my hands upon. But not this one. Although most of the stories were reprinted in black and white, there were full-color splash pages of the covers representing each decade, each era of Superman. The book introduced me to history, as I saw the multiple covers of Superman fighting the Nazis. Much like a Beatles song or a peanut strip, it also, subtly, if ever so faintly, sent messages to my brain about relationships and romance with the hundreds of tales of Lois Lane pining for Superman while the real thing was working at the news desk just a few feet away. It helped crystallize my understanding of how a story works, how to tell it economically with visual shorthand, probably just as much as being exposed to a film by Alfred Hitchcock at a young age. And man, let me tell you, Superman just looked cool. That uniform, the perpetual smile or occasional grimace, was always offset by his unmasked eyes. You see, that was the big difference for me with Superman more than almost any of the other superheroes I was exposed to as a child. Most of the other guys were wearing some form of a mask. Batman, Green Lantern, Spider-Man. Yes, yes, there are a few other exceptions. But let's be honest, they didn't resonate with me the way Superman did. Because he was the biggest and best of them all. He was the Babe Ruth of superheroes. The guy who was in a category and stratosphere all on his own. And that's why, whether it was the 1940s or the 1970s, kids would be running up and down the block with a towel or sheet tied around their neck, play-acting the part of the man of tomorrow. And I know that because I was one of those kids. Now let's move on to the second question. second question here is, what is your favorite adaptation of the character, and what do you think makes it interesting? Well, since I clearly leaned into my childhood and what Superman meant to me with my first answer, I might as well go for the most obvious and low-hanging fruit of all time, with my second response here. Now, by adaptation, I take that to mean depiction of the character in another medium, as opposed to, say, another comic book story. And for me, nothing has ever, or can ever, surpass Superman the movie. Now, I saw that four times in the first two weeks of its release back in 1978, probably more than 20 more times in the theater after that, you know, between its first release, multiple re-releases, and even a special... 40th anniversary showing back in 2018. 
Simply put, the tagline of that movie was, you'll believe a man can fly. And we did. But what soared beyond the magic of cranes and wires and practical special effects was how it made Superman feel so real, far beyond the comparatively tepid TV series of the 50s. This was a fully immersive 70 millimeter big screen experience. The comic pages had come to life as Christopher Reeve looked like the spitting image of Superman in 1978. I'm thinking of how he was drawn by one specific artist, although it is possible that fellow Jose Luis Garcia Lopez modeled his Superman of that era after photos he saw of Christopher Reeve several months before the movie's release. What made it interesting to me was this was the first time Superman felt like he wasn't just for kids. As I might have hinted at earlier, I was an absurdly precocious little brat. So I had a natural disdain for anything meant for kids. Look, I loved old cartoons like the Looney Tunes or Rocky and Bullwinkle. But I was decidedly less enthralled by modern Saturday morning fare from Hanna-Barbera and far worse houses of awful animation. But Superman the movie? This was for everyone. Be it the sly humor of Gene Hackman's Luther, the gravitas of father figures played by actors like Marlon Brando and Glenn Ford, or the pain of loss, be it the parent or eventual love of one's life, these were not just universal themes, they were mature ideas, heady stuff for anyone, whether they were 8, 18, or 80. It was a movie that impacted me tremendously as a child and still resonates with me over 40 years later. And even if some of that is sentimental nostalgia, which I tend to affix more to its sequel than the original film. It was still the first movie I saw that was an adaptation of something I cared deeply about, that met and perhaps even surpassed those expectations. Before, I would just grin and sneer a little, watching George Reeves essentially lie atop a washing machine with his fists thrust out, mimicking the power of flight, as well as a barrel-chested dude could possibly do on the wafer-thin budget of a 1950s television series. But seeing Christopher Reeve take flight for the first time in Superman the movie? I really did believe a man could fly. So let's move on to the third question, which is, do you think people will ever get tired of Superman? Or do you think they may have already? That's a really fascinating question. I know there's two possible knee-jerk answers one would expect to such a query. The lead-line kryptonite blinders on, raging Superman fanatic would say never and point to the various incarnations over the past 10 or 20 years as proof. But on the other side of the Fortress of Solitude Isle, you'd find just as many dismissing Superman as bland, boring, old hat, unrelatable. They may even point to the very same versions of the big boy Blue Scout as evidence of their perspective. Now, I think the true answer lies somewhere in between. And that is not me ducking the question. This is me taking it seriously and giving it the thought it truly deserves. Look, we're not born cynics. Well, my old sixth grade teacher might disagree. I remember him telling me at the age of 12 that I was the biggest cynic he had ever known. But generally speaking, we learn cynicism over time. 
It's based on the attitudes and expressions of those around us and how we come to see and understand the events of life around us and what kind of filters begin to take form as we learn how not only to decipher information that's hitting our brains, but how we judge it. But a child has little to no cynicism. And that's the place where a character like Superman can really make an impression, taking shape and form in that child's imagination, not just due to his insane laundry list of powers and abilities, you know, the ones far beyond those of mortal men, but the fact that more so than any other fictional character, yes, more than the likes of Captain America or Atticus Finch or even Andy from Shawshank Redemption, Superman represents hope. And no, I don't mean just the S-shield stitched across his chest. That's something writers came up with and made canon for the character as recently as 2004. And at that point, Superman had already been around for 66 years before that change was made. I'm talking about the man himself. And there's no more hopeful soul than a child. And that is why Superman has survived and remained such an icon after almost 85 years. Because every new generation, every child begins with a seemingly bottomless well of hope, regardless of their circumstances the world over. Now, as we get older, for many of us, a lot of that well, it dries up. The harsh realities of the world set in. And those who continue to care about comic book characters often start to gravitate to the heroes with, you know, the real life problems, the relatable ones that could be any one of them. This was the vein that Marvel Comics tapped into when they changed the course of comic book history in the 60s. And then, well, they did it again with how they've conquered and changed moviegoers' expectations and viewing habits over the past 15 years. But I'm telling you, as long as there's new waves of kids discovering Superman at an early age, there will always be a foundation in place for Superman fans. Now, holding on to those fans is a lot trickier. And the recent bizarre shifts in fandom to take on an air of tribalism, be it fans of competing comic book companies, which they seem to forget have successfully and historically collaborated a number of times, as well as share many of the same artists and writers as well. Or to go on a much bigger scale, fans of the studio movie releases and television series, which then fragment the fan base further into polarized sides, the likes of which, honestly, has never been the case before. The closest I can think possibly to that might be people back in the day who either loved or hated the lovingly campy Batman series of the 1960s. But here and now, being blind or free, one concedes there is always a challenge to combat such weariness, as some will point to and gravitate towards that which feels fresher, newer, different. But here's the thing. Even if people are having far too heated debates and arguments about Superman, you know what that does? It keeps the character in the conversation. It keeps him relevant. It converts the potential for fatigue into a yearning for another adventure with Big Blue. And even if they all disagree about who and what that version of Superman should be, they all share the desire to see Superman once again as they gauge their expectations with every scrap of rumor and speculation they can lay their hands upon. And they wait. 
and they wait. And what else do they do? They hope. Now let's move on to the fourth question. Fourth question here is, what do you think Superman's effect has been on the media as a whole? Honestly, with all due respect to fans of the myriad of Marvel Comics characters, and I number myself among you, there have been two superheroes that far and away have impacted the media in a major and fundamental way for decades. And those two are Superman and Batman. The two have often been seen as a yin and yang of the entire concept of the superhero, which is probably why there was such clamor and anticipation for that movie several years ago, and why the reaction to it was just so charged and heated, and still is even now. I mean, just scroll through Twitter on any given day, and there's still a ridiculous number of people arguing about that film. But keeping the focus on Superman and not the guy from Gotham, he would be a hot topic for an entirely different slew of reasons. Because Superman is the shorthand for the media in terms of almost anything and everything comic book related, and oftentimes even fantasy related. Rarely is any superhero ever discussed where Superman isn't used as a frame of reference or a yardstick. I mean, look, not to be overwhelmingly obvious, they're both built over the prefix word super. The word Superman is not just an emblem of hope, but it's a catchphrase for someone. Someone accomplishing something incredible, be it saving a life or breaking a home run record or working an 80-hour week. The terminology most used is someone being a Superman. Regardless of how the public sentiment may sway in terms of their favorite hero, the media will always default to the most recognizable icon on the planet. And that, without a doubt, again, is Superman. Beyond that, you'll recall what I said about the Superman film from 1978? Well, that's also when the media first took a comic book character seriously as fodder for a motion picture, to say nothing of a franchise or an IP. Things that were just starting to germinate back then. The closest thing we had to that was James Bond and the Pink Panther films. Star Wars might have broken through the walls for sci-fi fantasy, but Superman at least was the first to really crack open the door for comic book characters even if it would be another 11 years before another caped wonder or should I say crusader would bust down that very same door if you want the media to take notice of something plaster the landscape with billboards and t-shirts maybe make hundreds of millions in box office receipts too yeah you'll remain a media darling as long as you do that now I, I hope that at least someone answered that question. I was worried I was starting to give it a bit of a Politico's answer for a second there, but uh, I did my best. So let's move on to the final question, which is, why do you think Superman has been so successful, not just from a business standpoint, but in a creative sense? Now, I feel the answer to this can likely be mine from some of my previous answers, but I'll see if I can address it a little differently. First off, Superman's an easy go-to when trying to conceptualize a film or television series. Again, the icon of icons, he's instantly recognizable and an easy concept to both understand and explore. The trick is, you start with a basic template of what you know, be it during a pitch in a boardroom or on an elevator, and we all have that template. 
be it from comic books or cartoons, the Christopher Reeve films, even if through some near magical form of osmosis, every single one of us has a basic idea of what and who Superman is. The key is, as we're talking about a character that's been around for nearly a century, is what is going to be different about this version? Are they going to embrace or subvert? Will it be comfortably familiar or alluringly risky and daring? Or will it be a blend of both those sides to calm nerves while stoking expectations? And that is why there's always going to be a market for some version or take on Superman. And that's just good business. What we wait for is someone to come up with that special blend I just mentioned. And that will likely outstrip any previous take on Superman, both from a business financial perspective and a creative one. Which segues to the second part of that question. (laughs) And I love this because there are those who say, you can't write a decent Superman story. Oh, he's too powerful, which makes him less fallible unless someone finds the upteenth pebble from his home planet that blew up decades earlier and millions of light years away. To those people, I say, you have no artistic vision. Zero, I say. Zero artistic vision. You have no imagination. Not only can you not create, you probably shouldn't even be in the business of judging and critiquing those who can. You know why? Because Superman represents a challenge to write. That makes it impossible? Quite the contrary. It's the challenge that will make for a compelling piece of writing. That can eventually lead to a film or TV series or whatever medium one is writing towards. It's the opposite of a double-edged sword. Some may obtusely see writing a character with such powers to be so limiting. But it's not. It's not limiting at all. It's limitless. He has no fallibilities, no weaknesses. That's simply not true. His vulnerability is not about interstellar radiation or the supernatural. It's how, although so many seem to think of him as a god, despite his alien origins, he's possibly the most human character of them all. Because his heart his belief in what's right and what's good in the world, that is the vulnerability that one can exploit. And that is what makes him endearing and someone an audience can care about, even if he's not some average schnook who got bit by a radioactive spider or found a magic ring or was a survivor of some freakish superpower-granting accident. That goes to depth of character. And if a writer is scared off from writing about the emotional and soul-searching depths of any main character, well, you know what? They shouldn't be in the business either. Plus, and especially in a world that has become more and more jaded and cynical, which was apparently foreseen by some obnoxious tweenager 40 years ago, getting the opportunity to write and create stories for a hero that inspires us to be the best version of ourselves that inspires hope. Well, I don't think a writer could ask for anything more satisfying, challenging, and ultimately rewarding than that. Well, thus endeth my take on Superman, at least for this shockingly short podcast. Now, 
If you did enjoy this, I'll suspect you would enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. It's the Serious TV Drama Podcast page. If you like the page, you can join the conversation about good, great, or even bad TV shows, past and present. And you know what? Just about anything else pop culture related is permissible there as well. You know, like Superman. Now, you can find this podcast on most platforms like Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. But better still, just go to stvdpodcast.podbean.com, where you will find all 369 of our podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram. That's one word, Serious TV Drama. Or you can follow us on Twitter, not or, end. Why would, why would you choose? That doesn't make any sense. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at STVD podcast. STVD as in serious TV drama. And please, 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 please check out my other super cool podcasting endeavor, which is Scott Forgot the 80s. Just remember, Scott has one T and 80s has no apostrophe. And yes, I do intend that to rhyme when I say it that way. And you can find that podcast on just about every podcasting platform out there, even more than the STVD one, believe it or not. You know, because I've avoided all the legal issues with that podcast. And you can certainly go to scottforgottheeighties.podbean.com. Although, i got to tell you, if you can pop on Apple Podcasts, I would love you more than the man of tomorrow if you could throw the podcast some affection with a rating and a review there. And you can also follow that pod on both Facebook and Twitter as well. Again, Scott Forgot the 80s. The next episode of which, which I think will be released sometime between... Wow, I should have written this down. Um, I'm going to say between January 20th and 23rd, I'm thinking. It's going to be about the latest 80s film that I still have yet to ever see. And that would be The Never-Ending Story. And on that podcast, I will be joined by, ooh, ooh, look at this, another occasional podcaster. But he podcasts elsewhere. But he's also a dude who actually listens to our podcast. Hey, rarity. Uh, That would be Andrew. I am looking forward to that one. And much like the Kents, Andrew's a farmer, so I'll be calling him Pa Kent all night, I think. And with that, I hope y'all enjoyed this special and hopefully super, or at least super short, podcast. Now it's up, up, and away until the next time. Good night. Mm -hmm.